0: if that's all right. Um, So my name's Sam and uh, I have two grown-up children and a husband who's principal at St Peter's and we've got a dog that we're learning to train. We've been learning to train him for 16 months, let's say it's a work in progress, much like parenting. And uh, I'm also training to be a vicar, so I'm on my second year of vicar training, so please pray for me (laughs) and let me know how you think I'm getting on. Okay, so uh, we've been tracking with Ephesians uh, for the last little while, and I was wondering what would be a good title for today's talk, and you'll get the reading in a minute, so don't panic. Um, I was thinking something like, who am I, who are you, and why does it matter? Or who am I, who are you, and what difference does it make? So uh, here in Ephesians, Paul is massive on identity. He is wanting to, us to understand who we are uh, because of who Jesus has made us, and how that makes a difference to every sphere of life. And so, in the reading today, we get to look a little bit at the domestic sphere. And uh, Paul knew—he, you know, having been a previous persecutor of Christians, he kind of knew what Christians in the first century were up against and the kind of battle in life and in their mind and in their spiritual life and in their everyday life that they would have faced and in Romans he talks about don't be conformed don't be shaped to the image of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and that's the kind of theme that he's working through in Ephesians as well it's like Guys, remember who you are. And as you remember who you are, let that shape how you live everywhere, every day, all the time. Get your head straight about who you really are. Recognize the prevailing culture and work out how to be a Christian within it. And those Ephesians working out how to be a Christian in their prevailing culture, they needed help, and we need help today. And I was thinking, okay, what kinds of things, like um, what we've learned in Ephesians is stuff like uh, we, have a, we put on our new self, that we're um, made entirely new, that we are part of the family of God, that we need one another. And so I was thinking, what is it that erodes this kingdom mindset? What kind of stuff gets under our skin and helps us forget who we are? And I thought, well, one of the things for me anyway, is the rubbish that's in me. It's the kind of inner voices, you know, maybe you don't have the misfortune of those, uh, that sort of erode your sense of identity, that make you feel uh, smaller than you are, that make you feel like you're not up to much. Uh, maybe your kingdom identity is eroded by other people's flawed selves daring to like live around you, and you kind of get the prickles and the thorns of their kind of messed up lives, and uh, that doesn't help either. Maybe it's the rubbish of the prevailing culture, respect this kind of individualism, this thing that it's all about me and myself and what I need. And as my daughter used to say to her brother, uh, you're not the boss of me. You know, no one's the boss of me. And I was thinking, well, yeah, your brother's not the boss of you. And I don't think I'm the boss of you either. And uh, actually, I don't think God is the boss of us either because Jesus gives himself. This This is a bit noisy, isn't it? Is it all right? Should we carry on or do we need to change it? okay, that's good. Uh, Anyway, so, oh yeah, by the way, I don't think Jesus is the boss of us. I think we, he makes himself low like us, like a human being that we might meet him. And then he raises us up and we love him. We, we decide to let him be the boss of us. We, we give ourselves to him. Uh, And and it's that, that kind of submission, that kind of meeting and giving yourself to Jesus is a really good context for the passage that we're going to look at today. And um, as we look at this passage together, let's invite the Holy Spirit to reset our minds and to reset our lifestyle on the kind of things that uh, Jesus has made us and that the world needs to see in us. So I'm going to say a prayer and then I'm going to ask Fleur to come and bring the reading. So let's present ourselves before God. Father God, we bring ourselves before you, and we pray you would send your Holy Spirit now. Please help us to be wise and discerning. Help us to learn what you need us to learn today, that we might live lives as children of God, that we might live lives according to the inheritance that you have bought at such a great price for us. So make us wise and help us be transformed just as you plan for us to be. Amen. Okay, Fleur. Thanks, Rich.
1: Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with a sincerity of heart just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Okay, thanks so
0: much, Fleur. So, um, just find where I want to be. Okay, so submit to one another or be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. So, sub. Being the subject of someone sounds like you're like a servant or something like that. And I think we really need to get into our heads the kind of culture that Paul is writing to. So this is a strictly hierarchical culture. It's extremely normal to treat your wife as a kind of part of the economy of the home, you know, to just uh, have them to do stuff for you and... uh, to treat them as a sort of lower grade person. It's completely normal to have slaves and uh, to treat them as lower grade people. And so what Paul is saying here about the relationships between men and women and parents and children and slaves and masters is extremely radical. We could look at it and think it's a bit backward. In the time, it's really radical and presenting a very different way of operating. And so that's a really good thing to bear in mind. And it's good to bear in mind all the stuff that's gone before, uh, that we have learned about submitting ourselves in love to Jesus because he has given his all for us. And so this verse 21 is a really important bit. Submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. It doesn't mean like make yourself a doormat to someone else. What it means is like bring all of your good stuff right in. So when we're thinking about, we had a session that Joe spoke about like the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we need to bring all of our good stuff. That's what submission is. Submission says, here's all the best of me, and I'm bringing all the best of me for all the best of you, for your flourishing. Because that glorifies God. Jesus builds the church, and we do that because Jesus has given all of himself so that we might flourish both individually and as a community. So there's a mutuality. It's not about one person submitting and one person being a boss and controlling and that kind of thing. It's about submitting one another in love, out of reverence for God, so that both grow. The, the mutuality is so important. And the church is described as a household. In uh, chapter 4, uh, Paul describes that you are now part of the household of God. We, don't, we no longer kind of exist as individuals. It's not just about me. I now belong to the family of God. I now belong to the body of God. I now belong to the household of God. So I found to find out about who I am by being in community with you guys. And you guys find out how Jesus is shaping you by being in community with me. And sometimes that goes really well and sometimes that's a bit bumpy. But the key thing is, is to stick in even when it's bumpy. Uh, because we are made for family. We are made for this one-body connection. We are made to be a household that is rooted and grounded in love and that is working together properly. Uh, In chapter 4, he also says that when we are working together properly, we will be building one another up so that we can become a dwelling place for God. And we're always going like, come Holy Spirit. Actually, we say come Holy Spirit by how we live together as well, by how we uh, share our lives, by how we submit to one another, by how we celebrate one another's gifts, by how we honour one another. We make a dwelling place that God is pleased to be part of. And Paul says the way to do this is to be kind, and loving and forgiving of one another, which we all know is really easy on the rare good days, and uh, quite hard most of the time. But that's, the, that's what, if you, you know, we are invited to forgive and to love one another, and it's, it's hard work. Um, and so don't, it's not, this stuff about submission, it's not like passive, it's not like, oh, make me a doormat. It is active, and it's positive, and it's living out from the identity of the new people that we are so that the world might see who Jesus is. Elsewhere, Paul writes about live really good lives among the pagans so that they like, think Jesus is great. So Paul is writing into this very hierarchical society, uh, very radical things. And he develops a a point here that he also mentions in Galatians. And in Galatians, he describes it quite well, and it gives us a good context. He says, in Christ, so as we follow Jesus together, there is no male or female, slave or free. We are all children of God and co-heirs with Christ. Now, that doesn't mean you obviously don't stop being a man or a woman. What it means is, as, you know, we could be a male and female, slave or free, but our primary identity is that we are children of God and that we inherit the kingdom of God. We are co-heirs with Christ. And this was very important at the time because one of the morning prayers that the Jews use, which we might want to laugh at now, is... Um, th- that, thank God, I, God, I thank you that you made me a man and not a woman or a slave. And we think that's, like, quite funny. It was actually quite serious at the time, because women and slaves did not have the same access to worship practices that a male Jew would have. And so what Paul's also, this is why he's picking out these categories, why he's focusing upon women and, um, and slaves as well. Okay, So in this context of love and submission, and fueled by the remarkable power of the Holy Spirit, because it's the remarkable power of the Holy Spirit that enables church to work and us to forgive and love one another, he turns his attention to the domestic scene and family life. And you will notice that Paul is encouraging exactly the same behaviors. So the idea is that you're like the same here as you are at home. Might want to just clock that one for a minute. That's always been my ambition to speak to my children at home in a way that I would speak to them if other people were around. That's been hard sometimes. But I thought it was quite a good ambition. I didn't want to be a kind of two-faced mum. Do you know what I mean? It's like, shut up, you little brat. And then he's like, oh, look, my children. <laughs> and um, so, so that was a little challenge that I set myself. And me and Phil tried to do the same thing as well, so that we, like, speak to each other in the same way that we would if someone else was in the room. And again, varying levels of success, but a, a good standard to aspire for. Um, so... Um, slightly went off task so let me get back let me get back to where i am oh yes okay so uh wives be subject to your husbands as you are to the lord for the husband is the head of the wife just as christ is the head of the church uh just as the church is subject to christ so also wives ought to be in everything subject to their husbands close the book that'll do Actually, like everything in this passage, it doesn't, you can't close the book after a paragraph that makes you happy or unhappy. Uh, you have to like, read the whole letter. It is a letter. It, like, the whole thing would have been read out. And I'm sure some people would have wished the end came a bit sooner, but actually that isn't the end. That's just the beginning. And um, those kind of things about women being subject to your husbands, that would have been, like, that would have been okay at the time. Women wouldn't have expected anything other than to be like low down the pecking order and the interesting thing here is that you can see Paul is working within the current culture and he is uh what what Jesus offers is extremely radical but first century Rome isn't like now where we can you know put on a protest and sign a petition and lobby for different ways of living it, it, you, you had to like walk a fine line and, and Paul's main thing is mission. He wants people to hear the gospel. He wants people to hear the good news of Jesus and to know him and love him. So he's treading a line between not hacking off the authorities or getting the Christians to do stuff that's so radical they get persecuted and none of them are left. But he is also trying to, uh, within The cultural norms also introduce the radical ways of Jesus. And um, so he does this here by saying, Love your wives as Christ loved the church. Love your wife, he says later on, and care for her as you care for your own body. There's a significant move away from a woman as a commodity and this positions the man as nourishing and working for the flourishing of the woman, of submitting himself to her as she submits herself to him. So you have the same pattern of mutual submission in the marriage as you had earlier in the church. That is the picture. Uh, In the past, maybe, and in some other contexts now, the reading of this passage got messed up because culturally we think of headship as being the boss. And so we can think, oh, you know, if the man's the head, he's my boss. I'm married to a head teacher. Imagine that. I'm living with the boss. And um, (laughs) actually, there's some interesting readings about what head might mean in this context. And one of them is that uh, it can mean like source, like the source of a river. And uh, so that the uh, one interpretation is that Paul is actually saying uh, women are the source of the male body and in in, uh, uh, are sourced from the male body, as in in the Genesis story, God takes the and makes the woman. And so men and women are made of the same stuff. We are of the same substance, um, which is quite an enlightening way of thinking about things. And so... Male and female relationships are to be characterised by loving, forgiving, Holy Spirit-filled submission, just as all relationships should be. And this is a a very uh, sort of radical picture of women, but a picture of mutual honour and flourishing. And you might think, well, uh, how come there's such gender inequality and other kind of social inequality in the world and it is worth casting our minds back to original design to the part of the genesis story before sin came into the world and in that part of the story in what we might call original design male and is not good for man to dwell alone so god makes woman and he makes gives them both stewardship of the earth he gives them both dominion of the earth and um It is in the face of sin that what we might call patriarchy and other sorts of social inequalities come in. And then Jesus comes along and he gives himself to show us another way, a way where male and female are co-heirs with Christ, where whatever your job is, you're a co-heir with Christ, where there's a radical inclusion and a radical equality. And so our model for our relationships is... Jesus. Paul turns his attention to parents and children, and again, we see we don't, much as it might be fun to stop after children obey your parents, uh, we need to read on and see that also says parents don't be annoying, don't be provoking, which I think is also might be like don't be too controlling. Um, so the message again is like l- love your children, engage with your children in a way which is for their flourishing. And some degree of obedience is necessary. You know, you don't want your kid running into the road or into the fire or whatever. And so those kind of relationships, uh, that sort of authority in that sense is a good thing, but it's not all about the power. It is all about the mutual flourishing. It's all about the good of those that we lead and serve. And again, notice that it's parents. Uh, So the authority for parenting is shared by both men and women. We're gonna move on to slaves. This is a little, uh, this is um, even more difficult for us. Um, it's worth bearing in mind, lots of the New Testament letters are correctional letters. You know, so Paul's heard something's gone pear-shaped and so he's trying to say, oh man, that's not what you're meant to do. What you are meant to do is this. And slave, uh, uh, having slaves was part of the normal eco- economy of the time and quite rightly this mention of how to be a slave and how to be a master jars with us today and it should and paul is not saying that slavery is fine he's saying that uh, within this context where slavery is normal do it differently and it is very radical to say to the slaves like serve your masters willingly and to the masters lead your slaves with gentleness and respect be be kind Basically, be kind. Stop threatening them. And this is extremely radical. And actually, probably before before Jesus, this was culturally unimaginable that someone might say, treat your slaves with kindness. Slave, do your job with willingness. And this is because slaves and and masters are equal under God. We are both sons and daughters of the King of Kings. And Paul makes this explicit when he says, we both have the same master in heaven and with him there is no partiality. We both have the same master in heaven and with him there is no partiality. Everyone is equal under God and the self-giving love that Jesus demonstrates is the model for all human relationships within church and within families. We are citizens and saints and members of the household of God being built into God's dwelling place, being built into the place he loves to live and as we give ourselves in these uh, forgiving and loving ways we host we make a place where the presence of god enjoys to host uh, enjoys being hosted more and more and so the spiritual reality is that we are all equal and we are all co-heirs and that is the practical reality as well and so how we live alongside people who have less than us what we do with our financial resources is part of how we submit to one another in love. It is a really, really important thing. If you have um, a, a leadership role in life, a job which requires you to have authority over others, this doesn't mean give it up, it means do it well. Lead the people you have power over in a way that is for their flourishing. So don't be squeamish. If you have a, pl- a position of influence in your workplace or in culture, be pleased about that and use it well, because we are here to like be salt and light, to be a little window on what it means to know Jesus. So we might have a little think about our own lives, and um, let's just do that for a minute and think, where do I need to get myself sorted out? Because uh, Paul is writing to the Ephesians because they've gone slightly off whack. And we all do. So just take a moment before God and just have a ponder, where have I failed to give myself? Or where have I been a doormat? Where have I not taken up my leadership in a good way? Just have a little think about that before God. So, Father God, send your spirit to help us, we pray, as these things come to mind. We thank you that there is no condemnation in Jesus, but we thank you, God, that you send your spirit that we might live differently. And so in this moment, God, show us what we might need to start doing or stop doing, to live in a way that is bringing the best of us for the flourishing of others in church and work and home. Amen. Okay, so um, we would love to pray for you, obviously, at the end if you would like to, but I've just got one or two things to just finish up with uh, that I just wanted to be a little bit clear about. So we are called to live, live our lives in mutual submission and love, and the mutual bit is very important. So if you are someone that is in a marriage or a dating relationship and you feel like you are not experiencing freedom to make your own choices or you are feeling that you are controlled and your choices are controlled and you're not free to uh, come and go as perhaps your friends are, then that is not something God is saying you have to stick with. He is not saying submit to that kind of uh, oppression. That's, that's, that is not right. And it is not, God is not asking any of us to stay in violent or emotionally controlling relationships of any kind. And suffering in silence or laying yourself down, hoping it will go away, isn't gonna help you. And we want to help you as a church. And one of the things that I'm able to help you with if you wanted to talk to me at some point, for example, is we we have confidential rooms in our office. We have confidential phone lines. We can give you access to a laptop where you can get some help. Uh, If you are a man or a woman, Suffering in a relationship of violence or control. And so, please, if you find yourself in that situation, I'm going to put a helpline up at the end. Uh, please do come and talk to me or someone else you trust uh, because we'd like to help you with that. If family life is a bit off whack, and when we are talking about um, parenting, you're having a bit of a cringe. I, I do too, but um, it is good to just think. Right, okay, I'm not. I'm not doing so well as a parent, and bring that into, bring that before God, and bring that before your friends, and get some help with that. In fact, Steve, if you could just find me that slide with the book on it. This is, is, uh, I'm gonna show you this book, How to Talk So Kids Will Listen, and Listen So Kids Will Talk, is a really excellent book written by um, a psychologist quite a few years ago. It's one we use for the parenting course here. It's not a Christian book. It shares a lot of really good sense about how to talk to children. And it's about that fat. If that feels too fat, don't worry, because at the end of every chapter, there's a little cartoon. And there are also other ones that are like How to Talk So Your Teenager Listens and stuff like that. Um, but I would really recommend uh, this book if, if you would like some help with that. And again, uh, parenting is difficult, and so we want to help one another out with those kinds of things. Um, Steve, can you put the, slide, the other slide up for me? OK, so this, this Refuge one, you can find that online. If you wanted to get help because you have questions about your relationship and the level of freedom and the, the rightness of it, if you go onto one of these websites, they have a quick ex- exit, so it doesn't track you. And someone that uses your computer wouldn't know. But as I said, we'd love to be able to help you with that. And the final slide, Steve. Uh, this is uh, by a charity called Hope for Justice. And there's also International Justice Mission. And these are organizations which help rescue people from modern slavery. And so there are very practical things that we can do um, to engage with these things in our culture now, just as Paul was encouraging people to do some very practical things in their culture then. Okay, so. All these amazing things about giving ourselves in forgiveness and love, we can only do it with the help of the Holy Spirit. So why don't you stand and we're going to call upon uh, our Heavenly Father to send His Holy Spirit to help us. So why don't you present yourself before God and maybe some of these things have stirred you and your story or maybe they stirred something in someone you know or love or a friend of yours. So, Lord Jesus, we ask you now to send your Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, help us, we pray. We want to receive your power. Because it is only possible for us to give what we have in love and to be a dwelling place for you by the gift of your Spirit. So receive the Holy Spirit now. Come and receive him, renewing your mind and refreshing your identity. That however, what other names are drawing you down, whatever things you've said over yourself or others have said over you, let me tell you the truth. You're a child of God. You have the inheritance of the Son of God. And you are seated in heavenly places. So, God, we receive your affirmation. We receive the truth that we are your children. And that all the power that raised Jesus from the grave lives in us. Amen.